Stay hungry, stay foolish. So now on the Innovation Show, Johnny Cosgrove and Dr. Abraham Campbell, co-founders of MeetingRoom.io, join us. Welcome to the show, guys. No problem at all. Happy to have you in here. And yeah, this will be interesting. Just for our listeners, we're doing this show in a meeting room, virtual reality meeting room. Three of us are virtual. So thank you for accommodating that, guys. We're in a really slick room overlooking a beautiful ocean. Looks like we're in a boat. It kind of feels like we're on a boat, actually. But no, we're, we're currently in a demo room. That's what this room is. It's a sample based on that. Yeah, so essentially we ran an experiment for two weeks. Uh, we had Airfiber, who was great, providing our internet for that. And we ran an experiment of sort of your top-level video conferencing, so Skype for Business, uh, 1080p video, versus this meeting room. So the meeting room that you're experiencing right now is pretty much what they experienced. And um, we just wanted to see what the difference is when somebody has a video conference using Skype or, again, it was as the, the control group versus having a quick meeting on our software. So it was a fascinating experiment to do. We found that people did find that it was far more immersive and we checked all our p-values and it's, it's, it's very good. It's very good. So basically, we know statistically that people found themselves more immersed in the environment. They felt way closer. Like, I feel like I'm talking to you here. Um, so that's exactly what we were, we were interested in. And obviously, they also found the excitement was amazing from the experience. They found it was like, okay, this is something a bit different. We have to actually show you the proper meeting at some point yourself. So just to summarize there, I suppose, just in terms of what we were going for was to test a medium. So it wasn't us. To, we're, not, we're obviously a startup. We're early stage. We're not testing like for like. We were doing a medium test of VR versus video chat. And overall, we were happy to test our assumptions in the wild. We had over 100 people come through and try it out. But we had 100 candidates go through the actual test itself. So we're very happy with what's coming out in that. And we'll have a lot more information on that over the summer in terms of um, those actual results. But overall, yeah, it was... Um, it, it was a lot of fun. Okay, and so, so tell, tell us about what MeetingRoom.io is. I probably jumped the gun on that one. Too, too much excitement from being in the meeting room. So yeah, again, that's back to the room we're in here. So you can see what 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 you were seeing, and of course, people listening can't see. We're standing in a physical room. We're in three different locations, and we're standing in the same virtual space, having a conversation. The way we're actually standing is the three of us are just standing in a circle, having a chat. Uh, around on the walls, we can actually see you've got a view looking out to the ocean. We put that into a lay people's fears their first time in VR. It's an interesting experience. So nice, calming ocean. Um, in terms of what's going on around here, we can communicate we can get in a room together we can have this exact kind of chat with having that immersive close feeling that we just don't get from video uh, what we've got here on the walls beside us is one of our walls is a shared screen flipping between a few websites we've got a video there on the wall where the three of us can hear that with full spatial sound so we can all hear and see each other in a way that you would as if you were standing in a room together and also we can see here one of our APIs that we pulled in we're showing a bit of Twitter up on the wall there which is just we, re we use this room sometimes as well for seeing how Twitter goes so just to show these different bits and bobs that are going on and different features are going on in the room but in short we get people in from different locations in the same virtual physical space uh, it might be worth mentioning as well guys the sound uh, because you use spatial sound because if i turn my head like i am now looking at the wall johnny you might want to change some of those websites maybe clear your cookies there 
I can see what you were last looking at, man. <laughs> we, we're in your bedroom here, man. We're in your bedroom. So, uh, but spatial sound, if I turn my head, yeah, I, I actually hear, hear the sound differently. So it's one of the advantages of this is even if you're just comparing us without a headset, because you're not got a headset right now, but you can see how somebody even coming in at a desktop, if you had five or six people, even if they were on desktops, because of the spatial sound, if anybody's tried to have a teleconference or video conferencing software, whether it be Skype, Google, Zoom, and you have 10 people in the room, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare figuring out who's actually speaking. So even just adding that ability to position yourself in the room in a desktop VR environment even shows the premise works quite well, we feel. I think the important part there is, even as of right now, we're having a conversation. Can I? Because I can even see AB's body language as he's talking. I can see even the fact that you're there physically in front of me means that I know if you turn to me there, I know that you're turning your attention to me, that kind of thing. But it's very much a case of we actually had to do, (laughs) we really had to slack it out the other day. We had to use an old school um, audio conferencing deal, bridge system. So we we get a nice refresher on this every time we uh, find someone who we're talking to to use our stuff, who's using the old stuff. And what one of the real defining differences between us and say normal bridge conferencing tools or even with video is it tends to be one person talking, everyone else listening. And it's not a conversation, it's a speech. You might get feedback, but you won't get it as natural as you would here. Uh, I know myself and Abe are terrible. We'll, even in real life, we'll talk over each other. Yeah, we we do. It, we actually. Them. We would. We would. Yeah. Exactly. It's that's what we do. But in terms of in terms of how that happens, it doesn't happen on video calls or audio calls as much because we can't because we'll never get anything done. Um, now, you know, in terms of how that actually works, it means you can have a free flowing conversation. If you're a team in a business and you're trying to come together, bring different ideas, bring different perspectives, bring different cultures to the view and do it without having to worry about who's missed a flight or do whatever or as uh, or if you're going to catch that 15 minute coffee with someone I defy you to find someone who could have that 15 minute coffee if you're running for that in Dublin it's a case of with us so we've already been proving this ourselves we can keep to our 15 minute coffee because we can have a coffee if I'm in Rathgar or Rathmines and Abies out in, out in Dorky or out in UCD we can have that coffee we can do that 15 minutes and we can keep to it because we don't have to travel we don't have to do X, Y and Z it's just simpler Brilliant. Yeah, so it totally changes the experience. Because this happens when I do Skype calls for the show, that you'll often speak over to it because you don't know what the cue is for somebody coming to a finish. Because a lot of times people will use their hands or their facial expressions or some type of physical cue. But it'd be great to hear your backgrounds because your boats are steeped. You have a, a deep background in AR and VR because a lot of companies that have cropped up over the past are brand new to this. But you guys have a deep history in it. Yeah, so... I might do. I might start my, my myself anyway. So I have a PhD um, studying augmented reality, particularly um, augmented reality agents. So this is essentially the programming techniques of how you actually create an augmented reality environment and how you embody the avatars within it. So a lot of my testing to actually prove my theory, because a lot of augmented reality headsets don't really exist yet. So I did a lot of research simulating my environments in a virtual reality environment. Um, so. From there, I've been publishing. I was a, a postdoc um, in UCD for a couple of years, and now I'm actually moved on an assistant professor there in UCD. And I actually teach UCDs, and it's a brand new course in augmented reality and virtual reality for our final years. I also teach our computer graphics class, and I do guest lectures in our robotics class and our game development class in the, the Dublin campus. I also teach a bit on our, in our Chinese campus as well. well. Or it's a joint campus we have in the BDIC project that we have out there. So I'll also talk about Tyga Sullivan for a little bit as well. So Tyga and myself used to jointly um, um, 
demonstrate the computer graphics class in UCD, um, but his main background is in virtual reality and visualization. So he did his PhD in studying how you can take just scanned MRI scans of people and actually isolate cancers and create 3D models from those cancers, essentially figuring out where the edge of that cancer exists, and actually modeling the whole object. Uh, Tyg also has a background in psychology. His actual undergrad degree is in psychology as well. Um, so we kind of balance out the team there as well, because a lot of this stuff, it isn't just the technical making the VR work right. It's also the psychological, the uh, human-computer interaction to make sure that it all works out well. And so, Johnny, let's give you... You? Yeah, um, I wouldn't be quite as steeped as the guys directly as that, unfortunately. But in terms of my introduction to a lot of what we're working on, it's kind of funny. We come back to my my first experience with this kind of world was playing EverQuest when I was isolated and playing a very, very... Yes, which is for everyone else out there who had a life at nine, um, an online video game. Um, so it was an online large thing. So in terms of my background, sorry, what we actually what actually matters. I was out. I was studying out in UCD um, for a bit. Then I would have gone out to study in the states. Um, history and politics was my original degree, which I didn't finish out. Um, but I would have gone on and studied marketing and behavioral economics um, at different points. And then I actually got my MBA uh, back just finished in uh, 2015 um, from uh, Trinity. And I have been working. I've worked in a lot of different startups over the last few years, um, including one Wook, which would have got about thirty thousand users around Dublin event management. Pretty much learned my trade by going through the startup process from event management software to Internet of Things, hardware devices, winning a few hackathons along the way there. To uh, the last year and a half working around uh, blockchain, or last year working around blockchain, and I've ended up in VR after working a, a concurrent to all that. I was still working in a number of nightclubs on Harcourt Street. Um, um, so having an interesting thing that all led us to understanding that I've been pretty much studying people for the last number of years from a technical point of view and trying to get bums on seats. So it's come back around to I mean, myself and AB first linked up about two years ago on the VR stuff. I've always been very interested in the area. I used to hang out, well, drag my poor father down to the Atari Center out in Tala uh, an awful lot to get that lovely clunky view. And it was actually came about, myself and AB linked up about two years ago at one of the conferences, AR Innovate, where we are, we're actually uh, we're actually demoing with the guys that day now. It's kind of come full circle. I was interested in the area, but it was much more consumer-facing and needed to kind of really get down to, we're not there yet and understanding it. So then about, it was around this time last year, I would have... Yeah, it was about this time last year, so maybe started meeting up again, and I think it was about a month or so from now or so. AB got me down to the lab in UCD. I was on a crutch at the time. I was going mad, and I was trying to keep myself. Uh, after being sick for about six months, I decided I need to start looking at new things to do because uh, obviously things weren't working for me. So got down, and I think the first thing I said was, "It's not clunky anymore," um, and that's kind of where this all kicked off. We were looking at a lot of different ideas, including doing like a lot of different stuff, like arcades, all these different bits and bobs. And when it came to it. Um, we got to, I know this is jump from me to how we got going off, but in terms of where we kicked off, AB was going off to Beijing in August, or in, at the end of August, and we realized after a lot of fun conversations and a lot of different ideas, we needed to put something and get a button on it, otherwise nothing was going to happen. So I think AB, you got my, you got myself in Tiger Room after AB initially figuring that the two, got, two of us wanted to work on an almost identical project, said, how about we get, uh, yeah, you can tell this part, actually, I've been talking enough. The absolute perfect fit. So I've been involved in startups before. I was actually involved in Ireland's first ever augmented reality startup, uh, which was free gaming out of the NDRC. And we had all the technology to do Pokemon Go. And this was back in 2009. Now, unfortunately, that project was based off the N95, the Nokia phone. And unfortunately, 
we were the exact two. We were we were way too ahead of our time, and we found ourselves in a position that was very difficult to find anybody who was interested in licensing the product. And we really hadn't thought about who the end user was. We didn't just go, "Oh my God, Pokemon! This is going to be brilliant for Pokemon." So, from that experience, I learned a lot about startups and trying to figure out where things can go. I did another startup where we tried to commercialize some of the software out of UCD from Clarity, which was the sixth mesh networking software, mesh sensor network software. And again, I found essentially I didn't have the right team. What I didn't have there was a sales guy, somebody who could go out find the customers, and also understood, had enough of an understanding of the technology that they could actually go out and be that sales guy, that actually have those two hats on. Um, and then I also found that Tyg and myself were working on that project jointly. So I was like, Grad, Tyg was a brilliant developer. So it was great to have him. So when I saw Johnny, I was like, Grant, I've now got this team. These are exactly the guys that are going to be perfect for this. And I was really happy it worked quite well. And within about, it was about a month and a half that we had the first prototype that I was talking to you guys mm. from Beijing, like we're talking now. Yeah, it was it was that. Yeah, it was kind of funny, even from our learning point along that. I mean, like we jumped in, and in the same way, AB was looking for the right team. It was kind of funny because I've been going through. I've worked with some fantastic people the last few years. I'm lucky enough. To, I'm lucky and mean to myself enough that I put myself through about 16 startups through the course of, but just before and just after my MBA. And uh, I think more so. It's, the guys would agree in there. I was distracting myself from probably studies at points, but better with that kind of thing in terms of learning points. But in terms of when I think we, myself and Tyg first got in the room together physically, and then we actually met on my birthday in September. And that was our first meeting where we said, okay, right, what do we do? Pick some sort of name to run under ourselves just to keep us kind of focused of anything. And what was simple, what are we doing? We're working in a very bleeding edge uh, field at the time anyway. And in terms of people going, what are you doing? Meeting room. It's meeting room software. It couldn't be simpler. So just in terms of that, that's where that all came together. And we, yeah, we worked for four months then um, remotely. Um, we actually had our first month without the program. We actually drove ourselves mad using everything because obviously being in Beijing, we were dealing with a few different internet issues uh, just to make sure we had consistent calls. We were using everything from WeChat. And these were paid, the paid, not, sorry, not on WeChat, but Skype, everything. We tried everything from the paid versions and we figured out along the way that one, this isn't going to be great for VR. This is, we were actually using it from desktop quite a bit and was like, oh, I know for me, I hadn't experienced that kind of call quality having done too many hours um, in, online calls and realized, hang on. And this is where AB was going, of course. <laughs> and uh, yeah. What I was explaining to Johnny was when you have a proper business to business line, you can use a cloud server, you can make a dedicated line. And also if you're writing the software, you can choose what level you record at. So you're used to Audacity here. Um, we're recording, in fact, if I just lift this up, I'm recording at 44 hertz, which is pretty much exactly what Meeting Room records at. A lot of things like Skype record at less than that because bandwidth. And the beautiful thing about our software, because we're not wasting bandwidth on video, we're only taking a tenth of the bandwidth that, let's say, a 1080p Skype call would take. And because of that, we can make sure all that bandwidth goes for the audio because just to record my hand going here to here is nothing. It's only a couple of little positions we send out. Audio is way more, uh, way bigger than that, and obviously video is ginormous on the pipe going through. That's really interesting because I, I do a lot of the interviews on Skype, and it mm. throws them down as a as an MOV file, and then yeah. the file is massive, and then I have to trans transport <laughs> or export that file into an MP3 or, or WAV Jesus, file. Why does it do that? <laughs> yeah, it was probably a set. It's probably me being 
terrible at what I do and, and uh, exporting <laughs> it around. <laughs> I, I, that's I, 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 as much as I have a passion and a hatred of Max that I we won't go into now, but it, it literally involves a trip to Africa, a lot of AK-47s, and I really hate Max. But he's he's is, not joking, that, by the way. That's from when AB used to go down. AB used yeah. to go down to with Kamara down. You can talk a bit more. Yeah, about I was you, with Kamara going. Um, I did uh, two tours with them, one around uh, Ethiopia, another trip to Kenya as well, and then back to Ethiopia again. Um, but the thing is that there has to be a setting on Max that doesn't make you do that. <laughs> anyway, that, that is, yeah, yeah, yeah. There probably is. Bad design. Anyway, let's, and let, let's like, stop raining on Mac. <laughs> I, I can add that. I can add that to my, my why I hate Mac list. I actually have this list. It's got over thirty points on it. I, I have to tell you this though. That tonight. Yeah. You, you said a really interesting thing earlier about the sound, AB, and and it was about you know take the spatial awareness. And I'm reading this fantastic yeah. book, and we have the author Joel Beckerman on the show in a few weeks. And ah, cool. It's called okay, Sonic cool. Boom, right? And it's about yeah. the importance of sound. And one of the things he talked about is this guy Jim Reeks, and Jim Reeks is the guy who who created the startup sound for the Mac, that iconic synthesizer boom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And before that, Johnny, you, you won't remember this because you're, you're, you're younger, but yeah. in the original Macs, and I was I telling you, I went the to the same school as you did. It was horrific. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the sounds of these things, was it was a tritone horrific sound. But in, in the book, Joel talks about this, that, that Jim Reeks had to go on the, and do this covertly and actually sneak in and replace the entire sound system of it because he's like sound... Is so important, and it's the it's what Joel Beckerman's entire company is about. Man-made music is about the importance of sound, and he talks about this lady who gets uh, her her hearing restored. So she's been deaf for all her life, and she gets an ear piece transplanted in one ear. So then, all of a sudden, she hears lots of new sounds. But what's interesting, and I just read this this morning, was she when she got the second put in, she could tell spatial awareness. Before that. She yep. had no idea how close somebody was calling. If her if her child was calling her yeah. because if she's saying "mommy" in a good way, a bad way, in an indifferent way, but now because she had stereo sound for the first time in her life, she could tell yeah. the difference, and she could tell how close somebody was was coming to her. And and it was funny because it really coincided with what you said, Ab, that without spatial sound, without it, we don't know what we're missing. And but but when you don't have it, yeah. you totally know. And it's it's so reflective her story to what this is giving me now, even of who's talking, what the context <laughs> is they're talking in, and how far they are away, etc. It totally changes the game. It's really interesting. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's a, it's a, oh, it's a case of bring it back to something everyone understands. Uh, if you go to the cinema. And we're all used to. We all grew up. It doesn't matter how young I am. And <laughs> thanks for reminding me. Um, but in terms of looking at uh, you go to the cinema you see that patchy thing coming down you, you'll watch the video and you'll find there's a few frames that are a bit out of beat if the sound and you might even take that for a minute or two if there's one of those you know having a dodgy date not so much in this digital age but a few years back but in terms of if the sound goes within a minute you're outside looking for a refund going i missed that line what's going on you know so those small little things sound is so important and it's something that's come through so the importance of the bandwidth issue there just in terms of what we were talking about the real importance of that is it's again the consistency it's able to have this call i mean like would you have thought six months ago you'd be having a call through virtual reality which runs smoother than the video call 
personally, uh, well, sorry, not let me get my timing right. Prior to the project, no, I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah. <laughs> there a we year go. Ago, but in terms of just looking at these things, it is, it's even in case of the bandwidth issue getting, it's great to have my beard shake in real time on a HD call. Does it make a difference to the call? No. <laughs> Have, it does aside from you know in terms of the bandwidth yes it does matter because you need you need a good connection out to work for the chat we're here from right now you can see okay it's a somewhat virtualized beard but you can see it there and it's the same thing so it just does small little bits and bobs which really hammer in why this makes sense bringing in social cues and reducing the bandwidth make make sense and it's, it's way more highly groomed man in in vr than it is in real life <laughs> i got i got a chop today so it's not so bad which there is actually an issue about that um, there is a deep. There is also a case because we have a few use cases for our software. Obviously, the overall arching thing is it's a meeting room. There's, there's we never can go off that. But we actually interviewed our first intern uh, for our company through our own software. So they appeared to us. We hadn't got a clue what he looked like um, until we actually met him in person. But the whole thing is that it does have that area uh, ability to de-bias people. That you can come in, That's really have an anonymous conversation yeah. with us. And we decide, and we do get a lot of body language, and it depends. Like We'll be looking at, for certain customers, enterprise customers, we will put in additional animations for them if they so request, um, just to see what level. But it is something, and we also do voice changing, so they actually, even the sex could actually be hidden as well. Wow, that is um, so interesting. That is a really interesting use yeah, case. Like we're, yeah, look, we're looking at this from a, how can internal teams get more work done? If it's a case of taking yeah. taking egos out of the room, which is one of the reasons we all came together is we are all on the same level. There's no heads trying to push whatever. We all balance. We have different skill sets, and we're very open with that. I think actually working through VR, even for our first four months, really set that home. It was a case of going, right, we're meeting 30 minutes a day. That might be split into 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the evening for a sync call, that kind of thing. And we got more work done in those six months because we're able to just go get to work so we got that we already know each other but where that becomes important for a company is you're a large-scale firm you're trying to go out and hire and you want the right skills whether it's hiring in or hiring internal and it's a case of going right even getting the right team together you know it's all those areas that we see people really actually coming at us right now going we're interested in this another area which we're thinking in terms of use cases around customer service so in terms of right now, the process is you might go on, you'll make your phone call, or you'll go on to a, a chatbot online and chat to that. In terms of being on the phone call, right now, you put your phone in, you're told you're number six in the line, you hear the same music you've heard the last four times you're, you're dealing with that. Where we're, looking, where we're really interested to see, and where we know in terms of the research looked at before uh, from prior, is... You put six people sitting in front of that person and suddenly the whole the whole situation changes. And as much as this is a nicer experience for us now to talk and be able to have a conversation, it's the same thing for someone to go, I can see those six people in front of me. And you know what? While I'm waiting, I'm going to go and look and I'm going to see Metallica live in concert. And then when I'm actually brought back to that customer agent, I'm in a much better mood and I'm happy to go through what I'm talking about. Or at least I'm, I've had a better time waiting so I can really let rip on someone. <laughs> but in terms of just seeing what's going on, it's just about really get improving the experience. And we can see there's a thousand different ways that a thousand different people are going to use a meeting room. And we're really interested to see where that goes. Obviously, we're, we're 34 weeks in right now, so we're still quite a young company ourselves. But in terms of seeing the, up, the uptake that people have taken, even actually one point which is really interesting we keep going coming back to it but for ourselves we've seen that since before christmas and after christmas there's a, a, 
a nearly a better level of understanding of the market existing or the product existing in a way that's not so far off. Even myself, someone who's helping run this company now, we are looking at a year ago, over a year ago, this was still far off in my mind. So in terms of closing that gap, we think that, that Sony have really closed the gap there in terms of PlayStation VR. A lot of people's kids got PSVRs at Christmas and that has translated to even the decision makers we're talking to. It's like, oh, I might have put my headset on on the day after Christmas and suddenly I'm in Star Wars land. Becomes real. You know, it, 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 it makes the experience real. Isn't it funny, though, that a lot of people can't get their head around, particularly AR and VR, until they actually try it? And you can be, you can be oh, yeah. describing it and the benefits, etc., until you're blue in the face. Yeah. But until they actually sample it and experience it, it's because it's, it is world-changing in a way. When you look at it and you go, what are the possibilities? And it's so, so funny when you look at movies, even like Disclosure and Lawnmower Man was the first time I saw it. Again, <laughs> yeah, show my Chris, age. Chris Brosnan knocking it out. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I actually, I, I, was, I was actually wondering, I can't see what avatar you put on me, but I'm, I'm reckoning <laughs> I look like uh, a, a young man's uh, David Hasselhoff. Is that? <laughs> yeah. oh, I, I can't. Where's the mirror? Where's the mirror? <laughs> we don't have. The we mirror don't... deliberately doesn't actually show. Oh, yeah. you're a vampire. That's from a bias, a bias thing. Oh yeah, that's. I went up to the mirror to start, and I was yeah, like, yeah. "What am I?" Yeah, yeah. We intentionally. Uh, we we're, we've been debating that. The one of the higher versions actually does have that reflection, but we have today. <laughs> yeah. Because <Nice. laughs> the problem is, is you're not going to look like you. I have actually no idea what you actually look like. <laughs> so if you see a mirror and you don't look like you think you yeah, look, it might that change again. That's interesting. Mess your yeah, head yeah. A bit. Mm. So it's more that we would have a, simply like a computer game, just a couple of choices. We will allow people to be fat because Facebook don't allow people. Yeah, to be we're fat. we're not happy. We're, we're heavy set guys and we can't be large we're, in that. We're, we're heavy set yeah. guys. That really annoyed us. Our first experience of Facebook Spaces, we were not allowed. We had to be skinny and that really? was the only wow. option. Yep. Yeah, which is just like every any anybody with a background in embodiment will instantly just look at you and VR embodiment and avatars will go, you are not allowing them to choose. They have wow. to be thin. <laughs> Do you not realize the message That's that terrible. sends? Uh, it's, like, it's like magazines, ah, you know, uh, the way like the model. Well, the just whole... just oh, to yeah. be clear, I don't think they're going for that. It just, we're annoyed. We're big boys and we want to, we want to be there in when we're virtual yeah, 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 and big yeah. too. But, <laughs> I don't know. But... <laughs> I think it's more a design mistake. It's the thing is that a lot of people are making these environments that perhaps don't have the background necessarily in VR and be aware of these sort of issues when they're creating. Yeah, but it's, it's really interesting what you say, AB, because even when, you know, for example, from a sales perspective, right, so you're trying to sell even software, and you go to a client and you do a mock-up, it's interesting what you say about the avatar and it not looking like me, because if you do that, straight away the client or prospective client will actually start going, oh, that's not our logo, and they'll start focusing on the wrong thing. And rather, rather than you coming with a, a sketch or like a stick man or a, a white, a, a, um, yeah. like a sketch, an outline sketch of something and you focus on the concept of what it is. And this is, this reminds me of what you've done here because again, you don't, your biases are removed and, and what you did with the interview is really, really interesting because it removes that total bias and it makes you focus on what is actually important. 
And that's it, even in terms of, so that's on the internal focus that we've already gotten benefit from. And actually the first time we met Don was when he arrived up in Dublin for, you know, to meet for the first time. Yeah. But even looking at it from a, an external point of view, from a sales point of view, if I, you're always trying to control the situation as best you can in terms of if you're meeting someone for the first time, you might have that one chance to make that pitch. Now, this level of software, we're not going to be seeing used for sales just yet. Just be really clear. I don't think so anyway. Yeah. Well, it could be wrong. But in terms of looking at it, if you want to, we had to set up this room for me pitching you as a client for whatever the business might be. You can physically control everything in the room. And the point of that is you can also look back at that afterwards. So you look at heat maps on a website. We're looking at heat maps in a meeting room. We're looking at where are people looking. And if they're looking there, what are we doing to either if we want to re-emulate that again? Or is it a case of going, right, take that out of the room because they always end up looking at that particular clock without actually looking at me. Could be nothing, could be something. But that ability for customers to learn, I mean, I'll put it, I'll put it in a more succinct way. The, it, the learning points that businesses did from, well, assuming everyone has a computer post whatever year, they've gone from desktop to mobile. And the learning point in that alone, and what's about to happen here? So that's where right now people are pushing the boundaries. And really, what's really fun in this, to be honest, is everyone is still at the same, there's a certain level of everyone's on a similar sphere. There's no particular jumps that AB doesn't know what the guys over in certain large companies might know or whatever. It's every, it's, it, there's a lot of research there and that's where the likes of AB and Tyke, who've done a lot of this before, I've yet to find something where he can't quote me an academic paper on it and the year and the university <laughs> where it was. So in terms of that thing, we're all still getting to know what's going on. This yeah. game has just started and we're started. looking forward to a really fun ride. Yeah, well, listen, I'd love to, in the future, the very close future, come back and talk about your view on where everything's going, because we'll do another ARV or MOR special. But uh, it's been it's been great. It's been a really great experience. One thing, just before we wrap up, there's a very strong VR and AR, MR, PR, XR, whatever. It's all PR. Huge movement starting to gather in Ireland, and there's talent coming in from abroad. And we're looking to work with a lot of other. There's a lot of other successful Irish VR companies. We're running a hackathon later on in the year in October. We've got a lot of companies, help other groups in the area helping us out, and um, both abroad and abroad and at home. There's some great events that have already gone on this year, and there's more that are coming up over the next few weeks weeks, months, and we're very, very, we're really looking forward to a strong, in the same way that we've seen blockchain and different technologies take hold in Dublin and beyond, we're looking at this as an opportunity for Ireland to really take take advantage of its knowledge, knowledge work base and be able to transport that from anywhere. And that begins for us in bringing VR and AR to the island. But it's not just us, it's everyone else who's working on it, and there is a strong community there. been an absolute pleasure, guys, and uh, I look forward to talking to you. We'll talk again, we'll touch base end of September, October about the uh, hackathon. And uh, we'll talk a bit more about, uh, we'll do a bit longer on the whole scene, the VR, AR, MR, PR, XR scene. Uh, Dr. Abraham Campbell and Johnny Cosgrove, founders of meetingroom.io. Thanks for joining us. Cheers. Thanks very much.